Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Russia, UFC St. Petersburg, Alistair Overeem versus Alexi Olenek, and Shaq is going down this Saturday, 420. We get some fights in the afternoon, Overeem taking on Olenek. Yeah, I mean, how can you not want to watch one of the best specialists in the heavyweight division, Alexi Olenek? How many submissions does he have? I'm, A lot. I'm, I'm going to say upwards of 40. 45. 45. So, uh, I mean, this guy's a specialist, and Overeem is one of the most decorated, a top five heavyweight of all time, in my opinion. Wins over JDS, wins over Verdum twice. I mean, uh, we got some true legends in there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Alexi Olenek, he's uh, quietly making his name up the rankings. You know, he's always been a very exciting guy. I know you remember when he uh, schoolyard headlocked Mirko Krokop back in legend fights in 2013. But since that point, comes into the UFC, does the same thing to Anthony Hamilton, but the reason we all liked him so much is because you remember how Jared Rochelle would put everyone to sleep with his boring-ass fights. Well, Alexi goes in there, knocks him out in the first round. I was like, yeah, I fuck with Alexi Olenek. And then since then, a couple of Ezekiel chokes. Uh, Alexi's the man. Now he's taking on the perennial top five, Alistair Overeem, a guy who many people were saying will be a future UFC world champion. And that quite, that hasn't quite panned out. So if Olenek can get a win over Overeem, talk about being right there in title contention. Yeah, Overeem's a perennial top five guy. I mean, we already... Uh know his accomplishments and Alexi's taking this fight on short notice it's unfortunate Volkov couldn't get uh get to step in there but we at least we get another Russian well you know Volkov pulled he must have been very injured man <laughs> so uh this is gonna be interesting because last last time they came to Russia Alexi Olenek uh submitted Mark Hunt in the first round you remember the environment in that crowd man so uh this uh I'm expecting no less from the Russians man they're gonna come out it's going to be sold out. It's going to be very exciting. And uh, let's get down to business, my man, because first up in the UFC lightweight division, we got Magomed Mustafaev. He's 13-3, and and Rafael Fiziev is 6-0. and Currently, they got Rafael Fiziev minus 120. The comeback on Magomed Mustafaev is plus 100. So what's interesting to me, Shaq, is that the 6-0 and newcomer is the favorite here. A lot of action has been coming in on him. And this kid can strike, no doubt about it. And with Magomed Mustafaev, the last time he tasted victory inside the octagon was the same night that Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. So it's been a long-ass time. You think Magomed gets back on track, or you think it's a win for the newcomer? Yeah, this line's completely fit. Mustafayev opened up a good favorite, a decent-sized favorite, and seems like everyone and their mom's on Fiziev, which is a little concerning, but I see why, man. You know, Mustafayev came in there with those first two fights against Piotr, and that fight, anytime they were out in space, he busted Piotr up badly. It was just anytime they got in the clinch or any type of wrestling exchanges, Magomed would go to his back. So that lets you know that he's not one of these Russians like a combat sambo world champion or anything like that. He's one of those... uh. Those striking Russians, man, he, he likes to get in space, let those hard-ass left kicks go. You know, his hands aren't the best, but everything he throws definitely has bad intentions on it. And, you know, I feel like Fiziev uh, is probably the more accomplished striker, definitely in terms of credentials. He's only got six pro fights, a lot of tie fights. But, uh, you know, it seems like Mustafayev's a guy that likes to start very fast. And if you can eat those shots, uh, you might be able to make him gas out in the later rounds like we saw Kevin Lee do. But Kevin Lee is a wrestler. Fiziev's not. So that's going to be the big question here but personally how i see them matching up is i see fiziev uh maybe possibly dropping the first round i think mustafayev has a little more firepower early you know i feel like he hits a little hard early but mustafayev's weakness is going into them late rounds and i think uh, fiziev can keep the pressure on him in that second and third and uh, eventually find you know a home for a knockout you know i feel like mustafayev drops his hands as he gets tired and one thing i notice about fiziev you know he can keep his pace for the for uh for three rounds he really hasn't fought anybody so this is definitely going to be his biggest test 
Um, but I will take Fiziev. You know, he's the favorite now, but it would have been an upset a few days ago. But I will take Fiziev for the win by uh, third-round knockout. It should be very exciting because with Magomed Mustafaev, like you said, to beat this guy, you have to tie him up. You have to slow him down. And one thing that Rafael Fiziev is not going to do is try to wrestle against Magomed Mustafaev. So that's going to right away give Magomed Mustafaev the kind of fight he wants. And you know, if this was a kickboxing fight, I think Fiziev should be favored because his striking credentials, like you mentioned, his technique is probably better than Magomed Mustafaev, but this is striking in MMA and it's a different kind of movement, different gloves, plus the experience of Magomed Mustafaev. Uh, I think he edges this one out uh, via unanimous decision. I'm going to go Magomed Mustafaev. And next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Mikhail Lord Olegzaychuk. He's 13-2 and two, and Gazuhimurad Antigulov is 20-5. and five. Currently, they got McCall Lord Olegzechuk minus 210. The comeback on Gadzihimurad anti Gulov is plus 175. Well, Shaq, currently you see a plus 175 next to a guy with OV as the last two letters of his last name. Uh, you think the Russian's going to come through here as an underdog? This is a good fight. McCall's coming in off that uh, devastating performance of John Volante. I mean, five body shots put him down. And, you know, Lord McCall, uh, I think he's one of the best body punchers in the sport right now, man. This guy loves going to that body. We saw him go to the body against Khalil Roundtree in his debut. Khalil, I mean, we see what that guy's been doing. We told you Khalil's been making improvements in his game. And, I mean, McCall put it on him. But, you know, someone would come back at me and say, uh, oh, he was on steroids. Uh, no, no, he wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, look at him. Does, does, does that guy look like he's on steroids? I mean, his next fight, <laughs> did he look better or worse? <laughs> so, uh, I think Antigolov uh, had a nice... Oh, nice little streak when he entered the UFC, made it to the top 15. He was number 15 when he fought Kudalaba. Um, and that Kudalaba fight, you know, I feel like the difference in that fight compared to his previous fights were, oh, someone's actually fighting the takedowns for once, you know what I'm saying? Pezal de Lima. Um, what's Pezal de Lima known for? Tapping that mat. What's Joachim Christensen known for? Getting his ass beat. So... <laughs> You know, I feel like it was just the level of comp. He took that level of comp up in Kudalaba. I know the emotions were a little high going into that fight, as they typically are with uh, Jan the Hulk. But when he couldn't get that takedown, he didn't want to get back in his space. He was had to be desperate in that clinch and on those single legs. And I feel like he might take McCall down once, but... I don't think he's McCall's gonna get tapped out. You know, this ain't gonna be a lot of uh, Antigolov's. You know, victims are, are are frauds. They're you know they're journeymen, and you know he's been feasting up on these old Brazilian men down there and uh, and these promotions he's been fighting off. So you know he's got a lot of submissions. I don't see that happening to McCall. I see Antigolov trying his hardest to get a takedown, but I see the second McCall getting back out in space, him butchering Antigolov's body to the point where he can no longer breathe. And you know I feel like he'll get a stoppage somewhere in that second or third round. You know I feel like. McCall's one of the top prospects at 205, and I think he'll defeat Antigolov by second or third round TKO. Yeah, I think people don't understand the extent of how legit Mikhail Olegzaychuk is because, you know, they'll do the whole, oh, he was on steroids for the Khalil fight. It's like, listen, just like we talked about with Ortega, you know, these 23, 24-year-old kids taking steroids, yeah, it's not a good look, and I wouldn't, you know, tell my kids to look up to him, but as far as performance is concerned, this ain't like a 38-year-old coming off a USADA suspension. Like, this kid, Mikhail Olegzaychuk, if you think he's diminished, uh, you might have another thing coming when he stops your guy in the first round, but as far as Godzihimurad anti-Gulov, he's first-round sub or bust. He cannot push that pace for all three rounds, and that's just the bottom line. So, if he can't come out here and get Mikhail out in the first round, 
shit's going to be over because he pushes way too hard to be able to maintain that for three rounds. He's so hell-bent on getting that takedown. His stand-up obviously ain't the best. You know, one big overhand right at a time. He'll close his eyes and then go right to the entry. He's very explosive uh, on the mat, man. I mean, obviously, the guy knows what the hell he's doing on the mat. It's just that this is MMA, and uh, a guy like McCall is not going to freak out like Paisaldi Lima. You know, he's not... You know, a complete journeyman like uh, Joachim Christensen. Oh yeah, let, let's talk about that. So when you when you really examine Gadzu Himurat anti Gulab's record, anytime he's fought a softball, he's finished them in the first round. Anytime he's fought anyone remotely legit, he's gotten finished. So I, I expect that to happen here. And with McCall, I want to talk about how impressed I am with this guy. He reminds me of the 205 Max Holloway. He's very light for the weight class, switching his stances, a lot of volume on the feet, rips the body. And uh, when you talk about that guy that don't get tired, you talk about McCall Olegzaychuk. He can go all day. Like, the guy, his output is serious. So this comes down to a war of attrition, a battle of wills. He's going to win this all day. All it comes down to is do not get subbed in that first round, and you win this fight however you want. So I got McCall Olegzaychuk. I, I think he really is one of the top prospects at uh, 205 pounds. Next up in the heavyweight division, we got Marcin Tibor Tibura. He's 17-4, and, and Shamil Abdurakhimov is 19-4. and four. Currently, they got Marcin Tibura minus 130. The comeback on Shamil Abdurakhimov is plus 110. Well, Shaq, I've had high hopes for Marcin Tibura. I mean, I know you remember when I had that five-unit risk on him against uh, Andre Arlovsky, and he pulled that stunt. He almost looked for the way out in that second round, and it's like, man, like, you know, oh, he was young. He was fighting his idol, all this shit. Then he fights Stefan Struve, another gimme fight, pulls a stunt in that third round. I'm like, man something's up with uh tibura the man beast, the black beast fight as well he was up in that one uh so my, my thing with tibura is he comes out really hard that first round he's probably going to come out here and win that first round but can he maintain the pace to go out there and win a decision against a russian in russia yeah it's going to be a very close fight you know i feel like shamil is one of those russian coasting heavyweights that likes to go to decision if the knockout comes you know he'll take it like uh jay sherman but tibura it's going to be a very closely contested battle i feel like you know, so in that case, I got to go with the dog and in his home country of Russia by a very close controversial decision. I'm going to take Shamil, but it'll be a very close fight. I feel like this fight's going to be one where at the end, you're not going to really know who won. You know, you're going to be like, maybe we won. I don't know. But uh, Tybura's got the better kicks. I feel like Shamil's got better boxing. Uh, I feel like they kind of nullify each other in the clinch a little bit. Um, it's not a five round fight. It's just three rounds. So I will take Shamil, but it's going to be really close. Man, it's going to be a really close decision either way. Either guy can win this fight. Like I said, I think the first round, Marcin Tibura is probably the faster guy. Probably hits a little bit harder, pushes a really good pace in that first round. But for whatever reason, dude always historically gasses. And, I mean, we're not talking about high-level comp either. We're talking about Andre Arlovsky and Stefan Struve. Tim like Johnson. Oh, Tim Johnson, uh, I, I don't know what happened there. You know, you know, he stopped Shamil in the first round? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Oh, you're right. You're right. I think I actually bet Tim Johnson in that fight. Damn, Tim Johnson beat both these guys, except he stopped one of them in the first round. My boy Shamil got stopped there. <laughs> we, we don't got to talk about that. No, but listen, first round, I think Marcin Tibura comes out there and wins that first round. But man, for whatever reason, he can't push that pace all three. Even though he has won a couple decisions, he seems to slow down badly. It's just guys like Andre, who are 2-10 and 10 in his last 12 fights, Guys like Struve, who's retired for a reason, they're not able to capitalize. But I think a guy like Shamil, 
he might, but not necessarily in the sense to get him out of there because Shamil doesn't really have that urgency, but just to outpoint him slightly in the second and third. So I'll go with Shamil via a very close decision, but it won't surprise me if this fight goes either way. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Alexander Yakovlev. He's 24 and 9, and Alex Leko da Silva is 20 and 1. Currently, they got Alexander Yakovlev minus 170. The comeback on Alex Da Silva is plus 150. Well, uh, Shaq, we haven't seen Alexander Yakovlev in a long ass time. And last time he won a fight was against George Sullivan. Prior to that was Gray Maynard. Uh, you think he beats the 20 and 1 Alex Da Silva here in Russia? Man, this is a good fight, Yakovlev. I thought the guy was gone. I thought he was out the UFC. And then I saw he had a fight. <laughs> so uh, he's making that drop to 55 uh, where I get, I wouldn't say his best performance, but his one of his two wins came at 55 against the ghost of Gray Maynard. He won that fight 30-27 on two cards, 29 on 28 on one. And uh, he took Gray down. I mean, he dropped him, you know, if you can't drop Gray. And then his next fight against George Sullivan, who we've seen guys like Mickey Gall go out there and uh, finish it. Under a minute. Got, you know, when you fight Sullivan, that means you're supposed to have your showcase fight, you know? So it's really his two wins ain't shit. And I feel like I classify Yakovlev as one of these guys where, yeah, he's got very good wrestling. He's got good clinching. But the thing is, I just feel like something internally is wrong with him. I just think he doesn't like pressure. I think he doesn't like getting hit. I don't think he likes when guys close the distance on him like you see Cummins go after him and he gets hit with every punch, those second and third punches, and uh, he keeps backing up. The Usman fight, no shame in that. You know, Usman does whoop a lot of ass. So, But then what about the Nico Masoke fight? You know, Damian Maia, no shame in that one. But I feel like Yakovlev's biggest problem is he doesn't like pressure. And now with this layoff coming off... Uh, well, how long is it? Two and a half two, years. Two and a half years. And he's dropping back down to 155. And how old is he now? 35. 35 years old. I think he's in, I think he's going to have a rough weight cut. You know, I'm, that's just a guess. It's not facts. But I think he's going to have a rough weight cut. Now we got Alex, Alex De Silva. He used to be a former featherweight. And uh, at featherweight, he was on quite the streak there for a while, man. Yeah, you know, some of his competition might have not been the best. But he did make a step of, you know, going to Europe and fighting in promotions like Brave and some of these uh, Serbian promotions, and he uh, he did his thing, man. He fought tough guys. Uh, I think Alex Da Silva does have a very good pressuring style. I think he's got very hard kicks. I think he's got better boxing than Yakovlev. I feel like Yakovlev, of course, might be able to land a couple straights here and there. He, he is Russian. He, he's 6'3". He, he is 6'3". You know, of course, he's going to land a punch, but I think the, the difference between the two is just the pressure, the tenacity, the ferociousness of Da Silva, especially up a weight class. His last two fights have been at 155. It was a good move for him. He's kicking harder. He's just a lot more ferocious than he was at 145. He has been taken down in the past, but, man, kid's got a good bottom game, get-up game. He's got rubber guard. He's got uh, get-up. So I think he's going to be fine here. I don't think uh, Kovlev can hold guys on the ground for 15 minutes. It's something that he hasn't done in the UFC. But I understand he's way more experienced. He does have the wins over daily. He's got he's got a couple wins out there. But uh, I, I got Alex De Silva in an upset. I'm, I'm going to say by a third-round knockout. Yeah, I mean, Alexander Yakovlev, I think his uh, rap uh, career is more impressive than his MMA <laughs> career, man, because... Uh, but to everyone listening, I want you guys to comment in the comment section. Who do you think's a better rapper? Tyron Woodley, the former UFC champion, or Alexander Yakovlev, a.k.a. Bad Boy? <laughs> in the UFC, like, the dude literally lands under two strikes uh, per minute. He lands under two takedowns per 15 minutes. So, in other words, uh, unless Alex Da Silva just stares at him... Alexander Yakovlev is losing this fight, man. Uh, he can't hold anyone down, and he can't outstrike shit. So how, how exactly is uh, Alex De Silva going to lose this fight unless 
Alex pulls a serious stunt and gets laid on by a guy who's never laid on shit since uh, 2013. So, listen, man, this kid Alex Da Silva, because it's funny, because at first I saw the 20 and 1 record and I was like, oh, it's another padded Brazilian record. You know, we already know the deal can crusher. But actually, this guy's been going overseas to Brave, which is a very tough organization. He's been fighting uh, guys, uh, he's been fighting Americans, he's been fighting Russians, he's been fighting Brazilians, Polish people. So, the guy, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's experienced and. I know people are shitting on his last win, you know, against that judo guy, and yeah, he he ran through him how you're supposed to. But prior to that, he had that tough fight with Daniel Swain, a, a couple tough ones, man. And I like this guy's game. Obviously, on the feet, hits very very hard. Has that Brazilian Muay Thai style. Trains that Astra fight team, so you know he trains with guys like Darren Till, Glaco Franca, all those guys, and. You take him down, and automatically he's working his half-guard sweeps. Uh, this guy's got very good jujitsu. You know that he's in the gym year-round. And not only that, very strong, very physical. He's in the weight room. He's uh, got a good strength and conditioning program. I'm very sold on this kid, Alex Da Silva. Not to mention, he's only 23 years old. He's just a kid. That means that every single time we see him, he's going to be making big improvements. And he's already coming into the UFC with 21 pro fights under his belt. And he's taking on this guy, Alexander, who I respect. But let's be honest, Alex is showing up for a paycheck. Alex don't have no title aspirations. Alex ain't about to, you know, have a couple more fights this year. Like He's just 30. <laughs> he found out the UFC was coming to Russia. He thought this was a good opportunity to come back, get his 30K or whatever he's getting the show. And... You know, be on his way. So I got Alex Da Silva to get a knockout win here. Next up in the welterweight division, we got Sultan Aliyev. He's fourteen and three, and Keita Keitaro Nakamura is thirty-four and nine. Currently, they got Sultan Aliyev minus one fifteen, and Keita Keitaro Nakamura is minus one hundred five. Well, Shaq, what's interesting to me about this fight is you're dealing with the submission specialist in Keitaro Nakamura. He's got seventeen wins via submission. I mean, he takes your back. Chances are he's going to choke you out, but with a guy like Aliyev, he's never been submitted ever in his career. He's known for grinding guys out. That's what makes it intriguing. You think Keitaro has what it takes to take the back of Aliyev in Russia and choke him out in front of his hometown faithful. I don't think he necessarily has to. I think Keitaro's got competent enough stand-up to to uh, handle Aliyev as well. You know, I feel like Aliyev is probably in that middle bottom tier of Russian fighters in the UFC. Uh, I feel like he has gotten a little better, even though he's one and two, even though his eye did get swelled up by Worley. I feel like he got his boxing got a little better. He has been training at ATT, so the improvements are uh, bound to happen, I guess. But I feel like this fight definitely could be very close. And when you a lot of Keitaro's fights go to split decision, the Tuari fight, the Murano fight, the... Uh, Breeze fight should have been a split. Breeze fight was close. Aleski fight was close. I mean, all his fights for the most part come down to the wire. They're Kyle Noak, if he didn't finish him, that was going to be close. Like, so his fights definitely come down to the wire. Uh, Nakamura's issue is, you know, he can definitely be bombed off on. You know, it feels like guys definitely have success throwing big power punches like Tony Martin, Elizu. I mean, not that he gets dropped or anything. He eats a shot. I don't think he's ever has he ever been knocked out. Um, I don't think he's ever been knocked. I think he he been uh, cut stoppage yeah, like before. A high, high Actually, my boy Jang Young oh, Kim punches. TKO punched him in two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know it's very rare when he gets knocked out. So I think he's definitely got a good chin. I think it just comes down to positional wrestling and the and the back taking. You know, I feel like Sultan just a pretty much a land prey Russian likes to not do anything, back up, not throw any strikes. A minute thirty left. Let's let's look to get the takedown. It's pretty much don't be winning 
three minutes of this round and then get taken down or slip off the back. Boyan Velichovic actually did take uh, Sultan Aliyev's back. It's just that Sultan slipped out of it and got on top. So uh, Keitaro's definitely a lot better there. How many rear naked chokes does he have? 15. 15 rear naked choke victories. So uh, if Keitaro gets on that back... I feel like Keitaro's got better stand-up, too, so I will slightly lean Keitaro, but you're always playing fire. I mean, Sultan's royalty down there. Uh, Sultan's having dinner with the with the politicians and them, you know, after this fight. So it's, gonna be, it's playing with fire. I feel like it's a good chance it goes to split, but I also think there's a chance where Sultan continues his habits of being lackluster and not doing enough and taking a whooping or, or just slightly getting broken. You know, Keitaro's got a good left kick, so I see it going more that way. So I will take Keitaro by decision in Russia. Uh, see, I think that if this fight hits the scorecards, that, that decision's already been uh, written out. The the paychecks have been handed, and Aliyev's name has already circled the winner. So if Keitaro wants to win this fight, in my opinion, he's got to take his back and get his 16th uh, win via rear naked choke. So, I mean, I respect Keitaro a lot. The guy's a true badass. And I always enjoy watching him fight. The thing is, the way these two styles match up, Aliyev is going to make this very boring because I think he's strong enough to neutralize the grappling of a guy like Keitaro. I don't think he's going to get his back taken. If he does, then you got to watch out because that's how damn good Keitaro is when he gets into that position, man. Uh, like I said, 15 wins via rear naked choke, but I think Aliyev has what it takes to, to nullify that. And I think Aliyev comes out here and wins a split decision in Russia. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Movsar Evloev. He's 10-0, and Sungwoo Choi is 7-1. Shaq, currently, they got Movsar Evloev minus 325. The comeback on Sungwoo Choi is plus 265. Now, Evloev is one of these guys that he gets on top of you. Chances are you aren't getting back up. So my question is, do you think Choi has what it takes to keep this fight standing and uh, put on a kickboxing performance, which he's known for? Evloev's definitely a world-class wrestler. I think he's a Russian wrestling champion. And Choi's never faced this type of this type of grappling before. You know, I don't want to compare Mozart to one of those Russians where he gets on your legs. You're definitely uh, hitting that mat, and he can scramble with the best of them as well. It looks like Choi's got some good Muay Thai. He's very young, and uh, you know, from his KO loss, he's definitely he's definitely gotten a lot better. He's very long. He's got good Muay Thai, but he's more of the He's more of the disciplined Muay Thai guy, uh, not really, uh, I mean, he's got some stoppages, but in the lead up to that, he's very cautious, safe, just jab, low kick, but you know, that works, man, you know, do your thing. I, I compare him a little bit to the kid that fought Peter, you know, he seems like he's got good spirit, so definitely got Mavsar to win this fight as long as he grabs a leg and to work and take this guy down. He's never faced uh, grappling on this level, so I will go with Mavsar for a unanimous decision victory. Yeah, I got to go with Evloev as well, man, because similar to Khabib, when this guy gets on top of you, you're not getting back up, and he's very unassuming looking, and, you know, on the feet, he's not necessarily the best, but he's got so much confidence in his grappling ability and his pressure and just in himself as a winner that he'll walk guys down. He doesn't care what credentials you have, if you're better than him here, or allegedly you have an edge there. He'll go out there, fight you, maybe even eat a couple shots, but as soon as he grabs those legs, I mean, it's not as simple as sprawling or pushing the head down or doing this or that, doing any of the traditional defenses. If he gets a hold of you, he's putting you down. It's incredible the kind of strength he has on top. It's really a lifelong of grappling, and I actually think he should be a bigger favorite here because let's say this fight does stay standing, which is what we don't want a guy like Evloev to do. I'd prefer him to take it to the mat if I was to bet on him, but... 
right away, Choi likes to back up and counter. So you're backing up into the fence against a Russian in Russia who likes to put that pressure on you. That's already entering his realm, not to mention as soon as he decides to change levels, go for that entry, he's going to get Choi down. So while there could be some sketchy moments standing, ultimately I do see Evloev dominating Choi on the mat. And I think we got a very bright prospect in the in the featherweight division maybe even he drops the bantamweight after this you know because he is a natural bantamweight this fight is at featherweight so evloev's got a very bright future and i like Choi too he's gonna come back and do some fun things but this is a really tough out for his debut so i gotta go with evloev here as the the big price tag indicates now next up in the middleweight division we got the return of christoph jotko he's 19 and 4 and the newcomer alan amadovsky is 8 and 0 uh that will shack Currently, they got Christoph Jocko, minus 190. The comeback on Alan Amadovsky is plus 165. Now, I know you remember when Christoph was one of the top prospects at 185 pounds, and we were super high on him. Cashed that plus two-something against Camden McRory. Even cashed a plus 160 against Talos Latis. Hasn't won a fight ever since. I really don't know what happened to Christoph. You think he gets back on track here? Christoph, uh, like you said, at one point was top prospect at 85. He was top 10 in the world. Fought on pay-per-view against Brands. 19 and 1. 19 and 1. And now he hasn't won a fight. He was 6 and 1 in the UFC. And now he's 6 and 4 in the UFC. And these last three L's, the first one was just uh, a lack of urgency, I guess, against Branch. You know, it was very close. Branch eked out a split. At the time, it's like, all right, Christoph, let's let's get back on track, you know, against Uriah Hall. He goes out there first round, absolutely teeing off on Uriah. But for a guy with that many fights and that many fights in the UFC, I would think, like, at some point in that first round you kind of realize okay let me chill out a little bit and don't don't pull a, a young move that was a that was a young you know like a five and oh move like uh Bavon pulled you know but it was surprising to see Kristoff just get that out of character those wild uppercuts and his chins wide op open in the air that fucking elbow that he always throws every fight that never lands um <laughs> you know so like it's it's sad to see and, and that was a bad KO loss to Uriah Hall I mean Hall literally snapped his head back like whiplash like whiplashed his head and the follow-up punches were vicious as well and then following that up now he goes in there against Brad Tavares he's coming off two losses Brad's ranked number 15 at the time of them fighting and uh Brad has the best performance of his fucking career, <laughs> you know? Brad absolutely dominated him from start to finish. Kristoff never committed, maybe about once or twice. Third round, you're down two. You want to see a little something like, show me you don't want to lose three in a row, Kristoff. And he got knocked out, and he uh, covered up very quickly and took, like, how many follow-up punches? And they got through, actually. <laughs> and my speculation on Kristoff is I feel like Kristoff's lost his confidence to take a punch. That's what I think it is, you know? I feel like the... The Uriah Hall fight, it's just been progressive. These three have just been progressively worse to worse. When he was at his best, even when he was at his best, he was a guy that was known for barely winning these split decisions, a very good point fighter, keep, keep, uh, keep his distance, use his left kick, stuff the takedowns, the you know, the footwork. Um, but it seems like he's kind of abandoned that left kick a little bit. It seems like he just doesn't have that fire, that confidence, that swagger that he once had, you know. Uh and it happens, man. Jason Knight at one point was on top of the UFC world. and not on top of the UFC world, but he was... He was, he was uh, about yeah, to fight yeah. Lamas. He was <laughs> he on top of the world. Yeah, he was about to fight Lamas. It was Hick Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now, you know, now he's taking L's in bare knuckle like a, a couple of years later. So, I mean, these things happen, man. Uh, you know, Eric Anders at one point was a top prospect, man. You know, they, now look at things, you know. So, uh, 
these things happen. I feel like that might be the case with Kristoff now. So, so, so who you got between Jocko and Anders? Uh, man. <laughs> that's a, that's a, uh, a split decision. But, <laughs> but uh, as far as his opponent, Amadowski, man, you know, I see a lot of people saying Jocko's going to be able to, to get the takedowns here. And, you know, I feel like uh, I'm not convinced about that at all because, I mean, look, yeah, he took down Talis later. It's a good black belt, but we know Talis. For historically, you know what happens when Talis gets tired. He'll start flopping to that back. He'll start going for, you know, sacrifice throws and, you know, things like Speaking that. Speaking of sacrifice <laughs> throws, you remember that sacrifice oh, throw Kristoff tried against Brad Jocko just tried to sacrifice throw his last fight. <laughs> 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 Young Kristoff Jocko tried one of those his last fight. So, But, yeah, Amadoski, has got power in his hands. He's definitely, you know, doesn't have the experience level that Jocko has, not even close. But as a dog coming into this spot where Jocko – the pressure's still on Jocko. You know, generally with three losses, you know, it's like, all right, the pressure's off. You're probably an underdog in the spot. They've probably all given up given up on you. But he's still favored to win almost two to one. So I'll go with Amadowski here. You know, of course, I don't know fully 100% everything about Amadowski. But from what I've seen, it seems like he's got power in his hands. And like I said, I, I got a suspicion Kristoff can't take a punch anymore. And then uh, I don't see Kristoff uh, wrestling him. And if he does try that and it's unsuccessful, that'll just slowly slowly start to break him and then you'll start seeing uh start seeing him go for more sacrifice throws and uh upwards elbows and shit like that and when you start seeing that just go ahead and uh start celebrating because emadoski is going to win this fight so i'm gonna go with emadoski as a plus 165 underdog to beat uh the perennial top 15 guy christoph jaco Man, I remember how high I was on Christoph Jocko a couple years back, man. I thought that he was, you know, the dark horse of 185. And I liked him because he'd win these close split decisions and then do his little break dance afterwards. And then he uh, stepped up in competition and uh, he got exposed, you know what I mean? Uh, even that fight with uh, Talis latest, some, some of the things he was doing, I was like, Christoph, relax, you know what I mean? I was like, holy shit, it was just a... A matter of, you know, Talis Leda's gasses out after that first round. You know, he's a 40-year-old Brazilian. You know the deal there. But since that point, man, you saw that fight with Dave Branch. And, you know, some people still have these high opinions of Dave Branch, which you and I have never had. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? Dave Branch, uh, they, they, they pin each other up against the fence for 15 minutes. You know, even if they give Kristoff that win, I'm still thinking, like, Kristoff, what kind of performance was that, man, for, like, the standard, the regard I held him in? Then the Uriah Hall fight... Kristoff's known for this, for being this Euro point striker, and he goes out there, he actually lands a shot that hurts Uriah Hall, and Kristoff completely loses his mind trying to finish him, like starts doing a bunch of shit that we ain't seen before, and then he's got his chin straight up in the air, his hands down, he's breathing hard, and instead of you know taking a couple steps back and let's breathe, let's relax, let's reset, he keeps going. He, it's like in the video game, you see the, the health meter. He's literally, you see it diminishing right before your eyes. You know what I'm saying, man? So, uh, I just think I'm going to knock this guy and, out. And then when he's completely gassed, then he eats a shot and uh, goes down, gets whiplash, eats a couple follow-ups, and that was that. And it's like, man, you know what? He got knocked out by a really hard-hitting knockout artist. Uh, he'll bounce back, right? Well, he bounces back against a guy in Brad Tavares who... All his wins are by what? <laughs> all his wins are by decision, except when he fought Phil Baroni the second time that Frankie fought Gray, UFC 125. Basically, the night when Tiago Silva played the drums on Brandon the Vera's head. <laughs> the night Poirier made his UFC debut, okay? You know what I'm saying here? So the last time Brad Tavares 
won a fight via stoppage was the same night that Dustin Poirier made his UFC debut against Josh Grisby. Okay, ever since then, every single fight Brad won was via uh, via decision because we always considered him to be the Hawaiian Bisbee. You know what I mean? And then uh, he fights Kristoff. All of a sudden, he's rocking Kristoff with every single shot he throws and... You know, a little overhand, put him down. Kristoff covers up right away. And even in the corner, they're like, Kristoff, you going to commit? Kristoff, you going to throw? Even in the commentary in the third round, Dominic was Cruz was like, time he committed. wow, that was the first time Kristoff committed. So it's like Kristoff's confidence is completely gone. And can he regain it? You know, that's a good question because a guy like Mark DeCasey was also coming off three straight losses and he gained his confidence back. He looked amazing as Duffy. But the difference between Duffy and Amadovsky is, you know, Duffy, between you and me, was a broken man. Amadovsky's an 8-0 guy making his debut. He's got a lot of fire, a lot of spirit, coming off two big knockout wins in Bellator. So even though people are criticizing his level of competition, he knows what it's like to fight in a big show and get a first-round finish. And not only that, I heard people saying that the guy has no grappling. Well, I saw a fight in 2015 where there was a lot of back-and-forth grappling. And, yeah, he did end up on his back, but dude scrambled back up. The dude took his opponent's back. Like, he can scramble back and forth. And this was in 2015. We're in 2019 now, so I have to assume he's gotten better at that part of his game. So, basically, for Kristoff to win this fight, you guys are saying he's going to come out here and lay on the guy, which is something we've never seen Kristoff do ever. Even He has shot takedowns, no doubt about it, but he usually tries to Euro point strike. And the thing is, he has no output anymore. So... I need to see something I haven't seen from Kristoff in a couple of years for him to win this fight. Not saying it can't happen. He's a very talented guy. He's still young. But I have to see something I haven't seen in a while. I do have suspicion he lost his confidence. I'm going to go with Alan Amadoski via knockout here. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got Antonina Shevchenko. She's 7-0. and And Roxanne Modafferi is 22-15. and and currently, they got Antonina Shevchenko, minus 345. They come back on Roxanne Modafferi's, plus 285. Shaq, you're real, real quick, you know they ain't sisters. <laughs> Shaq, you're telling me they're shipping Roxanne Modafferi to Russia to fight a Shevchenko? Yeah, uh, unfortunate for Roxy. But look, Roxy, she's been getting better, man. You know, I, I respect her. She's a good fighter. Uh, but I think she takes an L here, man. Uh, Shevchenko, for female, good striking, good plum. I think she does have a little... She's showing me little signs of kickboxing chin, but uh, I don't think that's really going to come to come to light yet, you know, not until she fights like someone a little better. But uh, I think she'll get a unanimous decision victory here. It seems like she can defend an armbar too, so she'll win a, win a decision here. Will it be a little sketchy? Will it not be sketchy? Who knows? But I think Shevchenko will get the job done here. Valentina and her sister... Uh, they they don't they don't like losing too much. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I gotta say is if Roxanne Modafferi goes to Russia and beats a Shevchenko, uh, whoever bets Modafferi, I'll give you a public shout out, man. If you win that, because uh, I mean, there's only one reason Roxanne's being shipped to Russia to fight a Shevchenko, and that's not to that's get her a win. That's to uh, give Shevchenko a win, and. You know, the whole thing is, oh, what if this hits the mat? I mean, has Roxanne really got some great takedowns or something? I feel like, you know, if you take her down, you you know, you're not necessarily going to submit her. Yeah, so, I mean, look, as long as Antonina doesn't do something stupid, uh, she wins this fight pretty easily. And, like, even if she does do something stupid, I'm not convinced she loses either. You know what I mean? She'll still probably win. So, you know, don't give up your back or something like that. Even if you do, I'm not convinced she loses. So... I got Antonina via decision, maybe even a third round TKO. You know, you know, Roxanne Modafferi has been slammed KO before. Yeah. By Sarah Kaufman back in Strike Force. I'll, I'll never forget that night. I got uh, Antonina Shevchenko here. She got slam KO'd on top too. Yeah, she's been slam KO'd twice. <laughs> <laughs> now next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Ivan Sturkov. He's sixteen and zero, and Devin Clark is nine and three. 
Currently, they got Ivan Sturkov minus 175. The comeback on Devin Clark is plus 155. Shaq, I see a lot of action coming in on Devin Clark against the undefeated Russian in Russia. Uh, do you uh, side with the UFC experience of Devin Clark in this spot? It's a good fight. You know, Shatura, very experienced coming into his debut. I feel like one could make a, even though with Devin Clark's UFC experience, 100%, definitely has the UFC fights, three UFC victories. You can make an argument Chaturo's fought better guys, man. The guy's been out there fighting heavyweights. Uh, I know Bigfoot Silva hasn't won a fight in God knows how long, but at least he's been in there with a Bigfoot Silva before. When you he was know? seven and up, <laughs> you know, when and he was, was seven outweighed by 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of his heavyweight fights, man, Shaturov showing up 230, fighting these big six-foot-six giants, uh, and he's winning for the most part. Uh, I mean, he's never lost. He went to a draw with uh, a really big uh, Brazilian, what was his name? Uh, Geronimo. Yeah, Duran Geronimo. That motherfucker was huge. But, like, Shaturov uh, is very, very experienced coming in from... For his UFC debut. Clark, on the other hand, I feel like it's been the same thing in these six fights. Clark's a guy where he likes to come out real strong with a big overhand and a, and a double leg. And if he if he can get it right away, then most likely these guys that he's been fighting, the Jake Colliers, uh, Josh Stansberry, Josh Stansberry and Rodriguez, who all three at the time, the first two, my goodness, those guys are just unathletic. And you heard Mike Rodriguez interview saying he didn't even have a strength and conditioning program. Yeah, you know, so Rodriguez is just very green, and Rodriguez would fuck him up anytime they were out in space, except a, a couple little moments here. But I just feel like it was more doing a greenness. Now he's fighting an 18 and 0 Russian brick house, and uh, let's see how Clark does. You know, I feel like Clark's a guy where every punching exchange he is a big liability with that chin he's got. We're talking about a guy that got at 185s. Granted, it was at 185s. He got clipped behind the ear against Alex fucking Nicholson. And then, uh, you know, he got a couple wins against the, the Cans, uh, Stansbury and Collier. And then he, uh, when he fought uh, Jan Blakovich, I mean, some of the shit he was doing there, those exchanges, he gets away with it a lot. But Blakovich embarrassed him. I mean, when he throws these punches, he's falling all the way over to the point where he leaves himself open for a choke. And that's happened more than once. It's just Blakovich was the only one that capitalized on it. And then... Uh, you know, it's five with Ratchik. I feel like people are putting too much stock into his performance against uh, Ratchik. Firstly, who the fuck has Alexander Ratchik beaten? And fucking Devin Clark, you know, yeah, he definitely caught him with that big left hook and, and dropped Ratchik. But Ratchik was fighting with his hands down. And uh, I feel like a guy like Shaturov, who's finally made that cut down to 205 pounds, looks in much better physical condition. His cardio's in much better uh, form than it was when he was at heavyweight tussling around with these 265-pound men. Uh, that probably weigh 280 on fight day when he still weighs like 230, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I think Shatero's got this one. I think uh, Clark is going to come out like his typical self, aggressive, wild, a little scared. And I feel like eventually Shatero will put the pressure on him to make Clark start, you know, reacting badly, shooting from too far, uh, leaving his hands down. And I feel like eventually when one of those Russian fists lands on Clark's face, he will, you know, fall down and go out for the third time in the UFC, you know, so that the back fist like we saw with Ratchet landed, that's all due to Clark just being completely out of place and falling over. Yeah, he's got power. Yeah, he's an athlete. I don't think he's going to be able to wrestle uh, Shaturov for three rounds. I feel like Shaturov's too strong. He's way tougher mentally. This isn't Stansbury, Collier, or a very green guy. So I think uh, I think Shaturov gets a knockout victory here. I'm going to say second round KO. Who is Alexander Rakic beating the UFC? Uh, Ledet, Bohozo. So that's two guys. One's already out and one's about to be out. And then uh, Devin, Clark. Devin Clark. So Rackage beat Bajoso. 
Ledette and Devin Clark, and y'all are acting like he's the top 205 prospect and not Johnny Walker? Like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll see which guy fights for a title first. Uh, I, my money's on Johnny Walker. And if they ever fight, Johnny Walker would KO uh, Rackage Stiff. As far as this matchup is concerned with Ivan Sturkov and Devin Clark, I mean, Devin Clark, do you think they have any plans of sending Devin Clark to Russia to get him a win over a 16-0 Russian? Uh, I highly doubt it. And let's talk about Sturkov's skills because... You know, you just see his picture on the sure dog and, you know, you see this guy looking like the Hulk. You might think it's kind of funny. You th might think it's kind of cute. But then you watch him fight and it's like, dude's got hands. Dude's very technical. Jabs to the body, jabs up top, throws big hooks. And when it comes to the grappling, the dude's grappling is fucking serious. I mean, if he was American, he would be a D1 wrestler. But he's Russian. He's a fucking Russian national champer. Master of Sambo. Like, whatever his credentials are, the dude is D1 level in his grappling. So what I'm trying to say by that is, you know, when Clark goes out there and barely gets these wins over guys like Josh Stansbury and Mike Rodriguez and, you know, who was the other guy he beat? Collier. And Jay Collier. You know, when he barely gets by these guys, those guys aren't known for their wrestling. Those guys aren't known for their grappling. Those guys aren't forces to be reckoned with. You know, Mike Rodriguez, after the Devin Clark fight, he realized, oh, maybe I need to take this seriously. Maybe I need to get a strength and conditioning program. Whereas you're looking at a guy in Ivan Sturkov, he's 16-0. When he was 7-0, he was already fighting UFC vets. Up a weight class, too. He goes in there against Bigfoot Silva, and I know people are going to be like, oh, why didn't he knock him out? Well, first of all, he knocked him out in the second round. I have no idea what was going on with that uh, ref in that fight. He knocks him out in the second round, knocks him through the ropes, and then they let Bigfoot Silva get in the center of the octagon. They make him start over. It's like, dude, I already knocked the guy out. Like, what's going on here? But what I'm trying to get at, more importantly than that, is that he's going out there with like a 40-pound weight disadvantage, and he's handling these guys much bigger than him who have way more experience than him. But now he's fighting at his natural weight class, coming off wins over two UFC vets, ran through Fabio Maldonado, ran through Tiago Silva, and now he's got another cupcake in Devin Clark. I mean, Devin Clark goes out there, he's so spastic, leaves his chin in the air when he charges in. I mean, it's just uh, some of the ugliest shit you've ever seen. So I either see Ivan capitalizing on Devin's chin in the air when he charges in with a big counter. I can see Ivan taking him down and wrestling. I can see a submission, a ground and pound, TKO, cut stoppage, corner stoppage, decision. I see Ivan Sturkov winning this fight however he wants. The thing is, people are talking about how oh, he's a gasser and this and that. Yeah, when he was fighting a 300-pound man, you know, and you're moving around that kind of weight, of course you're going to gas a little bit, but let's talk about his gas state. It's not like he was gassed and then he started covering up, eating all these big shots, and then he's getting taken down at will. What I saw was a guy who pushed through his fatigue state. He's so mentally tough that even when he is as tired as he was in that third round versus the two versus the 300 pound man, he still pushed through, man. And he still went to a draw, man. Like the dude is tough as fuck. Whereas Devin Clark, when you get him in that fatigue state, you know, you'll start running into soft backhands and get knocked out by 85ers and do the whole bit. So uh, I, I got Ivan Sturkov here via domination. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got Sergey Pavlovich. He's 12 and 1, and Marcelo Golm is 6-2. Currently, they got Sergey Pavlovich minus 250. The comeback on Marcelo Gomez plus 210. Well, Shaq, I got to say right off the bat, I have not been that impressed with Sergey Pavlovich, you know, because in that UFC debut versus Overeem, I actually picked Overeem, and, you know, on the show, I was talking about how, you know, Sergey doesn't really have that great wrestling, even though 
people were telling me, oh, he's this Russian wrestling champ and this and that. And then it's over him that goes out there, takes him down in the first round and pounds him out. So, yeah, he might have some wrestling credentials, but it sure as fuck ain't no Habib. It ain't no Ivan Sturkov. Like, it ain't none of these guys. I think it's a, a little bit lower level than people are trying to make it out the scene. That being said, he's taking on Marcelo Gohm, who's very inexperienced. But Marcelo Gohm has shown some glimpses here and there. He's a hard hitter. He can get guys out that first round. But the two times he got extended... You know, he, he kind of did gas and, and break a little bit. So my question is, do you think Sergei Pavlovich can get him to that second, third round, extend him, and go out there and win a decision in Russia? Yeah, I haven't looked into this fight too much, but, you know, Pavlovich, yeah, that was an embarrassing debut. No shame, I guess. It was over him. I swear, Gome, you know, these last two fights, you know, I actually bet on him in his debut against Colombo because Colombo's a complete can. But uh, these last two fights against Tim Johnson and uh, Bueller, you know, he fought two tough wrestlers that are kind of gritty and got decent cardio. Prior to the Colombo fight, he had never been pat. He never fought a guy with a win on his record. He fought a bunch of 0-0, 0-1 guys. So, I mean, this is a this is a product of him not fighting anyone. This is a product of being super inexperienced. And, and it's been showing in these late rounds. So he's, he's still at the same team. He's at ATT. You know, um, who knows? Eventually, with these experiences, he might go on to get a little better. So the line could be off. But I'll just pick Pavlovich. Just, I'll just pick Pavlovich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have a very confident pick on this. Because while Sergey Pavlovich is the more experienced guy... Man, just skill-wise, I see this being a very close fight. And while I can't sit here and say I'm picking Marcelo Gohm confidently, I do kind of feel like minus 2-5 is a little bit off, and this fight should be lined a little bit closer. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Gohm. It should be lined a little bit closer here. Co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got Islam Mahashev, he's 16-1, and and Arman Sarukian is 13-1. and Currently, they got Islam Mahashev, minus 300, the comeback on Armin Sarukian is plus 250. Well, talk about a UFC debut. Not only is this your UFC debut, it's your UFC debut in Russia versus Islam Mahashev in the co-main event. Like, you think Sarukian can rise to the occasion? Oh boy, Islam shouldn't have hopped over that cage. Actually, he should have hopped over that cage. He should have done more. <laughs> he should have hopped over that cage, actually. But, uh, you know, he's going to be fighting on that Euro scene now. He, he was top 15 before all that went down. He's been now his uh, visa has been revoked. <laughs> his visa is fucked. So now he's gonna be on that Euro scene like Tyson Mall fighting once every couple of years. Uh, he'll be fine. Khabib will. Uh, you know my boy Tyson Mall popped. Are you serious? Yeah, but uh, it was allegedly. You know, it was a six month suspension because. Oh, so it was. So it was he's suspension. got very good management and lawyers. Yeah. You know, he's got. Uh, does he have rooms? It, it was a tainted yeah. supplement. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Armand. What's his last name? Tars. Sarukian. Sarukian. Guy's no slouch. I feel like he could possibly drop down to 45 later on. I feel like, you know, he's going to have a bright UFC career. I think he's going to get a lot of wins. He's got a nice left high kick. He's got good wrestling. Guy's well-rounded. It's just that he's fighting Islam. Who's a <laughs> That's all it really is. He's fighting Islam in St. Petersburg. Not to mention, Abdul Manap is coming out of not hiding, but he's coming to corner Islam in Russia. Like, I don't know if you guys understand how fucking important that is to them. The decision's like, <laughs> been written, is what you're saying. <laughs> like, Khabib's father, Khabib, Javier, they will be with Islam. I don't want to say they run the country, but all they have to do is give the commission one look. <laughs> you know, uh, 30 27, right? So, this fight could be close. I feel like, uh, 
Sarkukian's got skill. I don't want to say, but I feel like Islam's going to fight him completely different. You know, I feel like Islam's going to be... I feel like when they get in there, it's going to kind of be a vibe of Islam do not lose to this guy yeah, at all. He's playing it safe, He's 100%. going to play it 100% safe, hug his legs, get him down to that mat, and let's make him feel what it's like to be in the UFC. So I feel like that's how the fight's going to go. So I will pick Islam by a 30-27 decision, but I like Armand's future. He's, he's no slouch. Yeah, I like this kid, Armand Sarukian, a lot. He's got a very bright future. I think he could even drop to 145 pounds. I think he's going to give a lot of guys uh, problems. His wrestling is on point. His striking is on point. The guy comes to fight. He's got that winner's mentality. I cannot say enough good things about Armand Sarukian. The issue here is... You know, it's not like you're making your US, your UFC debut against, uh, you know, Alex White or some shit. You're fighting Islam Makhachev in a co-main event in Russia. And uh, let's just say that if this fight is close, you know they're going to give the Russian the decision over the Armenian, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? But uh, listen, the kid has a very bright future. I wish him the best. It's just that Islam Makhachev has paid his dues inside the octagon. And not only that, I feel like Islam's like a bigger, stronger version of, of Armin Sarukian. I feel like he does what Sarukian does, but just a little bit better. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Islam via decision as well. Welcome this kid into the UFC. He's got a bright future. Main event of the evening, heavyweight division. Alistair Overeem is 44-17, and 17, and Alexi Olenek is 57-11. and 11. Currently, they got... Alistair Overeem minus 260. The comeback on Alexi Olenek is plus 220. Well, Shaq, I mean, I think we know the deal here. Alistair Overeem is better everywhere. The question is, is he going to fight perfectly and not get caught, which has historically plagued him uh, throughout it, throughout his career, man. Uh, obviously, his chin is uh, one of the most suspect chins in the history of the sport. So you think he can uh, avoid getting knocked out by the Ezekiel Chokemaster? Yeah, you know, the Ezekiel Chokemaster stand-up isn't the best. He's very ugly, but he's got power. And at heavyweight, anything can happen. Personally, you can't trust a guy like Overeem at a line like that. So it is a dog or pass from a betting perspective. Uh, I could see anything happening. So I will say there might there might be some value on Olenek just because Overeem, <laughs> one shot on that chin, you're back in this fight like that, you know. You could be losing. Overeem's known for whooping guys up, you know what I'm saying, and then getting caught. And then and Travis the Brown, Bigfoot. Big Rothwell, like, he's known for whooping guys up and then them, then Stipe. him losing. <laughs> yeah, Stipe. So, like, that's what he does. So, Lexi can take a beating. This might be a tailor-made fight. So, I definitely think there is value on Olenek. But I will pick Overeem just because some of those things Alexi does, I just don't see how he's going to get away with it unless Overeem does it again, <laughs> which he, he probably will. So, I feel like, you know, from a betting perspective, God, it's Alexi, uh, uh, Alexi or pass 100%. Do not play over him at a line like that. But I'm going to pick over him just because I see a big home for the check knee in this particular fight. You know, I feel like Alexi has this thing where he likes to duck to one side so glaringly. And, like, a guy like Overeem is definitely seeing that. It's going to be a good fight for how long it lasts. I don't see this fight lasting long. And not to mention, what happens if Alexi uh, gets in the clinch with Overeem? And, you know, Overeem's comfortable in the clinch. What happens if uh, Alexi... Gets uh, that thing, you know, and the drops Ezekiel. down the Ezekiel and drops down. So I feel like it's a it's a closer fight than line, but I will pick Overeem by first round knockout. Well, just a little fact here: the last time Overeem was submitted was in May two thousand six by Fabricio Werdum. Thirteen years ago was the last time that Overeem tapped the mat. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen again because, as you know, this guy Alexi Olenek has a boa grip. He's got a vice grip. I mean, this guy gets around your neck and. Uh, you're getting choked out or your head's going to explode. You know what I'm saying? And that's just facts. I'm going to pop your head open. <laughs> and uh, 
not only that, his stand-up is super ugly like you mentioned, but he does swing bombs. And when you're so focused on is this guy going to shoot, is this guy going to pull guard, sometimes those hands drop and he can go out there and knock someone out like Jared Rochal. And I know uh, over him, it's been knocked out 100 times. Don't be surprised if this is the 101st time he gets knocked out. Uh, I think Overeem dominates the fight until he gets caught, straight up. I think Overeem's going to go out there, put on a clinic, and somewhere along the way, it's either a left hook, a right hook, uh, Ezekiel choke. I think Alexi Olenek gets an opportunistic finish after losing the entire fight. So I'm going to go with the bow constrictor. And now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, it's going down on 420 in Russia. Overeem versus Olenek. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, you got to love a 420 card early in the morning. Wake and bake and then make some money. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to getting right down to business because, man, Overeem and Olenek, obviously you know the knockout artist, Alistair Overeem, the Ezekiel choke master, Alexi Olenek. Uh, I understand why Overeem is favored, but do you at all see a scenario where he dominates and then gets caught? Uh I mean, yeah, of course, that's that's what would have to happen for Olenek to win. It's got to be that crazy submission game or him getting like a fluke haymaker knockout. Um, but I actually think the line's pretty decent on Overeem. I would have lined it a little bit higher than that. Uh, so I think Overeem's one of the best plays on the board this week. We got a fight doesn't go to decision line of minus 610. So I think it's a great fight to be all in on in GPPs because the winner should score highly. But... Man, my pick is Overeem, and I'll be heavy on him. I think he's going to get a knockout, and I think he's going to get it early. Uh, Olenek's taking this fight on short notice. He's really got nothing for Overeem on the feet, and I think it's going to be too hard for him to just keep up with Overeem just to get a hold of him and take him down to the mat to lock up a submission. So um, I don't know if I'm going to fully fade Olenek. I might do something like 9-1 and one if I'm making 10 lineups, but I'm definitely going to be high on Overeem and probably all in, if not like 90% on this fight for GBP. Um, stacks, I don't really hate the stack. I mean, cash, I don't really hate the stack because you can kind of get your exposure to Olenek there as a little bit of a hedge, um, and you're probably going to get 100 total points in this fight or more. But I probably won't be stacking this week either. I, I'm guessing it's going to be Overeem or nothing in that fight for me and cash. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking first-round knockout Overeem and over 100 DK points. So Islam Mahashev is welcoming the newcomer Armin Sarukian to the UFC, and seems like a lot of people are taking Sarukian as a as a pretty trendy underdog pick. Uh, do you agree? I mean, or do you think it's a big step up in competition? A uh, huge step up in competition. Um, but yeah, when I was watching him, I was <laughs> I couldn't believe the UFC gave this kid Islam for his first fight in the UFC. I just don't see why you would throw him to the wolves like that. Um, but, I mean, Islam is a top prospect, maybe future title contender. Uh, and I, I just have to pick him here. I think he's just going to be relentless with that top game. And that's kind of what we want in DraftKings. I mean, he's going to be the, going for takedowns a lot in this fight. I, I don't see him having a big edge on the feet. So why not play it safe and go for takedowns throughout the whole fight? And if he's going to do that, maybe he could pay off that $9,400 price tag. Um but there's just – I think there's going to be a lot of finishes on this card, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay up for him in a whole lot of lineups. I'll definitely have some exposure, and he is my pick. But I could see this being a fight I'm not really heavy on. But Islam's a pick, and I think he probably gets it done by 30-27 decision. So back up to the heavyweight division, Pavlovich and Golem are about to throw down. And uh, I understand why Pavlovich is favored, but I kind of thought that minus 250 or even 9,200 on DraftKings was a bit of an exaggeration. Uh do you agree with that? 
yeah, I thought the line was a bit wide as well. Um, these are two big guys who really only takes one punch for either of them to get knocked out. And Pavlovich was just knocked out by Reem. So uh, maybe it could be two in a row for him here. Uh, so I actually like the underdog more in this fight because if Golem wins, I think it's going to be a lot of points. I think this is probably not going to go all three rounds. I'm guessing one of these guys is going to get knocked out. Um, so they both have a good chance of paying off that salary. But Golem at 7000 is going to be hard for him not to end up on the winning lineup if he goes out there and gets a first-round knockout. So give me the underdog here, but another great fight to target in GPPs because I think it's going to be a high-scoring fight for the winner. Another fight where there's a popular underdog is Ivan Turkov versus Devin Clark. Uh, a lot of people are saying that it's a dog or pass situation. I kind of think it's a favorite or pass situation. I need to know uh, Kyle Marley's input on this one. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what to think about this one. I think um, Ivan is probably the better fighter all around, except for maybe wrestling, but he's going to be the stronger fighter. So I don't think Clark is going to have a whole lot of success with his wrestling game. And we've seen the chin of Clark. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd probably say it's favored or pass as well because it's in Russia. Uh, I think the most likely person to get a knockout is Ivan. He's decent on the ground as well. He could get a submission there as well. And he's gone 15 minutes before. Um, Clark doesn't have the greatest of all gas tanks. I don't think he's going to wear him out if he takes him into deep rounds. So, yeah, I like the favorite here. But I mostly like him on DraftKings because of Clark's chin. I, I think if he wins, it's most likely by knockout. And that's going to score heavily. He's only $8,700, which is pretty solid. 200 bucks less than Reem. It's pretty easy to get them both into lineups, actually. It's just can't pay up for Islam if you're going to do that. But I kind of like going that route. Uh, I will have a, a shot or two on Clark because if he wins, it's because of his wrestling. And that's what we like in DraftKings. I just don't think he's going to get that win. So give me the favorite here. So Antonina Shevchenko is welcoming Roxanne Modafferi to Russia I mean, do you think there's any chance Roxanne takes her back, or is this about to be uh, what we all think it's about to be? Yeah, I think she most likely gets picked apart for three rounds here. But, I mean, she's, she's got to go for takedowns here, and maybe she lands at least one and can get an advance or two, throw some ground and pound on top, score some points that way. But I do think it goes all three rounds. So I, I kind of like Roxanne as a cash game play here. Uh, I think she's got a decent floor. And she's only 6900 so she allows you to pay up for a lot of other people. So I definitely like her more as a cash game play. But for GPPs, I really don't care for this fight at all. Uh, we got uh, Shevchenko at 9300 and I just don't see her paying that off here in this fight unless she gets a finish. And I don't want to rely on her getting a finish. So this is kind of a fade fight for me in GPPs. And uh, I like Roxy just to save money in cash. And I'll take that loss. If, if she can put up you know, 30 points on a loss, I'm cool with that. And last but not least, the return of Kristoff Jocko. He's taking on the newcomer Alan Amadovsky. Uh, Alan's very high on confidence right now. He's undefeated. We know Kristoff, he had all the momentum in the world, but now he's coming off three straight losses. Do you think Kristoff Jocko can get back on track? Yeah, I think he can. I do think he's the better fighter here, uh, but the worry is him getting knocked out. Um, he's coming off a couple knockouts. Uh, losing three straight, he probably loses his job if he gets a loss here. Um, so I think I like him because he's got his back to the wall. I think he is the overall better fighter. If he can take this fight to the ground, I think he'll have some success there as well. Um, and I think the longer this fight goes, the more it'll play out into his favor. 
But uh, Amadovsky's not a terrible play either because if he wins, it's most likely going to be by knockout. And any underdog winning by knockout is going to have a good chance of being on that $25,000 lineup. That's ultimately what I'm shooting for. I want that 25K. So I will have some Amadovsky lineups. And I think he's probably my preferred play of the two. Uh, I would really like to get a better judge on ownership in this fight, though, and I would kind of play my lineups based on that. If I think Amadovsky's going to be popular and Jocko's going to be low-owned, I'll completely switch that and make Jocko my preferred play and just take advantage of the ownership on whatever side. But right now, I really don't have any kind of lean on what that's going to look like, so I'll need a little bit more time, some more podcasts, uh, watch some Twitter bets and whatnot to kind of get a judge of that. But Jocko is my pick. I think he gets it done by decision. Kyle, that's why you're the DraftKings guy for half the battles going down this Saturday, 420. They can follow you at Big Marley 3. They can get your bets and your write-ups at bestfightpicks.com. That's right, man. Coming off two sweeps in a row. Let's make it three here on 420. Wake up with some money. Yes, sir. That is the plan. Kyle Marley will speak soon. All right, bro. Good luck. And that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Make sure you tail me, Kyle Marley, and Shaq at bestfightpicks.com. And Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Russia? My fight to watch is going to be Mustafaya versus Rafael Fiziev. I feel like they're going to stand in front of each other and strike and see who the better man is. And I see the whoever loses this fight, I feel like it's going to be in devastating fashion. Yeah, definitely one of the fights to watch. For me, the fight to watch is Mikhail Alexeychuk versus Gadzi Himarad Antigulov. You got striker versus grappler, or in other words, you got a first round submission guy versus a well rounded fighter. And I have a feeling this fight is not going the distance, no matter what. Someone's either going to get stopped with a body shot or someone's going to get choked out. So for that reason, Mikhail Alexeychuk versus Gadzi Himarad Antigulov is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC St. Petersburg? My fighter to watch is going to be McCall Lord Olechechek. I think this guy is one of the brightest prospects at 205. I think that uh, he is a future top 15 guy. And I feel like to get a win over a big gorilla Russian like Antigolov, who's 20-5, and five, to beat Aov in your third fight now, if he gets this win, it'll be Roundtree, Volante, Antigolov. That, that's, uh, you win those three fights, you're due for a big fight at 205. So uh, Lord Olechechek's my fighter to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. All eyes will be on Lord Alexeychuk and for me my fighter to watch is going to be Ivan Sturkov you know this is a guy who is coming to the UFC with a 16-0 record has already fought many UFC vets on the regional scene he's paid his dues and now he's coming in here I feel like they're handing him a little bit of a softball on Devin Clark let's see what you got against one of our lower tier light heavyweights and light heavyweights a division that has a lot of emerging talent but also has room for more you know you got the Johnny Walkers the Rakic the Mikhail Olegzechuk's there's a couple more, and you add Ivan Sturkov to that mix, and I think that he could be a great addition to the light heavyweight division. So for that reason, Ivan Sturkov is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday on 420 in the afternoon. UFC Russia, they can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can tailor our plays at bestfightpicks.com. I highly recommend you do have a 55% ROI this year. Been, been getting back to those underdog ways, so... uh it's exactly what you expect. Go to bestfightpicks.com, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher, and Spotify. Thank you guys all so much for the support. We sincerely appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.